Hey, this is Pastor Rob Miller from Reclamation Church. Just want to say thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray that this message is completely life-giving and life-changing and that you take the blessing of the Word of God with you everywhere you go this week and pour into somebody else around you. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Hey, welcome. Wow, you guys look amazing. The lights came out like, y'all look so beautiful. Good to see you all today. Uh, again, as Joy was just saying, welcome to Reclamation Church. Thank you guys for joining us today. If this is your first time, uh, like she said, take that three-visit challenge. Uh, we're in the middle of a series right now. It gets different every week. It's going to be a little different today. Uh, we said that last week. It's a little drop some hints every once in a while. But uh, as Joy also was saying, today may be a great day for the kids uh, to check out the RC Kids Church because um, we're going to talk about some adult stuff. Y'all ready for that? Yeah. yeah. There's a couple of y'all that are ready for that. Other ones like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> y'all pray for us because ah, I don't know. Right? Hey, but we, we started this series, So This Is Love, uh, a few weeks ago, three weeks ago now. This is part three. Um, we started online a few weeks ago. We did this last week, talked about the beauty of covenant. This whole series, So This Is Love, is relationship focused, not just marriage focused. Uh, last week, obviously, was focused on marriage. This week is going to be focused on marriage. But I encourage you to come back next week as we kind of close out the series with uh, relationships as a whole. How many of y'all just need help with relationships, period, in your life? Whether it's your home, kids, workplace, friends, we need help. We need some advice and, and some, some structure on relationships. So come back next week as we close out. Uh, so this is love. But we started a few weeks ago defining love. We talked about what is love. Again, there's that song stuck in your head, you're welcome. Um, we talked about First John, uh, John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God. Uh, and everyone that doesn't love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. So God is, what is love? God is love. In other words, God defines love. So that means God must be the source of love. God must be the source of our relationship. Um, my wife, Adrian, y'all, she looks beautiful today, don't she? Uh, she is my resource. God is our source. She is the resource that God gifts me to be my help meet, not my helper. He's my helper. She's my help meet, right? And so our wives, our spouse, our husbands can never take the place of God in our life. If they do, they have become an idol, and we are now practicing idolatry, which is just as bad as adultery in our marriage. Uh, so if, if I love my spouse more than I love God, I'm committing adultery against God. Amen. So my, my God must be the source, not my spouse, not my friends, not the things of this world. And, and the thing is, we get it so mixed up. If, if God is not love and, and the world continues to define what love is, uh, we never truly find a source. Right. And I think that's sort of the problem with the world's definition of love. We're constantly seeking things to fill that void. But if we can learn to place God as the priority in our relationships and reflect that love in our marriage, that's where it gets right. And, and not only does he define love, God demonstrates love. I love that scripture that Paul says that while I was still a sinner, while I wasn't worth it, right. he demonstrated his love for me, sacrificially and unconditionally, that he sent his son to die on a cross for me, that I could be saved. So God demonstrates it. He doesn't just define it. He demonstrates it. So if God can demonstrate it, then I need to learn to demonstrate it and reflect that same love, the covenant 
in my relationship with my spouse. And we, we talked about last week the beauty of covenant, the beauty of covenant and marriage. And we, we just hit this really quick. We'll just do a little quick recap. But a covenant is basically an invitation to be a part of something together. It's not a one-man show. It's not a one-woman show. It's an invitation to be a part of something together. So we have to learn to live invitationally in our marriage, inviting our spouse into our life, getting rid of walls, getting rid of all kinds of barriers, breaking all those things down, and inviting our spouse into every area of our life. Right, and we discussed that covenant is an invitation revolving around a relationship, and we can't have a covenant outside of a relationship. Um, And in Abens 3.3, it says, can two walk together unless they agree? And a lot of times when you hear that scripture, um, if you've ever been in any of our sermons, Pastor has the illustration with Caleb where they both put arms around each other and they try to go together. It's like the, um, what is the animals that you talked about? Ox and a yoke. Oxen and a yoke. If one is going one way and the other is going the other way, they're not making any progress. So that's the same in our marriages. And that's what the scripture is talking about in Amos 3.3. 3. Can two walk together unless they agree? And so in, um, in marriage, covenant is an invitation revolving around a, um, an, agreement. The re- an agreement with the relationship. relationship. Yeah. So and the co- also, yeah, it's a partnership ahead. with God. Yeah. Um, and if God is the source then we can partner with him and ask him to lead us and guide us together, just like the scripture says. And if God is the author of marriage, then why not go to the author if you got problems with your marriage? Exactly. You know, I I talk about that all the time. I've used that illustration a few times. We don't call a plumber to fix our electrical problems. We don't call a mechanic to fix our plumbing problems. We go to the people who are qualified. You go to the people who can fix it. And if God is the author and creator and founder of marriage, then we need to go to God. We need to go to the author. Uh, and so last week with the beauty of covenant, we talked about three things. Put God first. Right. Uh, that's basically, if you can learn to put God first in your marriage, you're winning. Everything else will fall into place. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all, all of these things will be added unto you. Everything else will take care of itself. Put God first. And then the second thing we talked about was fight fair. Fight fair. You are two different people. Right. You're going to have arguments. You're going to have disagreements, but fight fair. And so for more information on that, check out last week. Uh, go to the live feed. Go to the YouTube. Check out last week's message on that. And then uh, the, after that was uh, never give up. Right. Bad times are going to come. Uh, that's why when you, when you do your vows, when you make that covenant, you say for better or right. for worse. The bad times come. And we're going to try to approach this today to help uh, negate the bad times. Exactly. Not that, not that they won't happen, but to, to help us override them yeah. and not focus on them. In other words, to neglect them. Right. Uh, I like the, what that scripture says. Our, our theme last year was pursue. I, I don't consider myself having achieved it yet. Um, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I press on to what lies ahead. I neglect, is that word right. there in the Greek? I neglect what happened in the past. Definitely. And I nurture what's coming in the future. Right. And so that's what we need to do. And hard times are going to come. Bad times are going to come. It's going to happen. You're two different people. Right. Uh, but don't give up. What's our theme? This ain't it. This ain't. That's not our theme. But I say it all the time. Well, this ain't it. Look right. at somebody and say this ain't it. This ain't it. Like seriously, that should just be Reclamation Church. This ain't it. Actually, this is it. Y'all need to be here. <laughs> Bad <laughs> well, marketing. Erase that. <laughs> that didn't happen. Right. All so right. we're continuing with part two of this covenant focus. Again, if you got kids in here, you might want to drop them off in the nursery or the kids' church upstairs because we're talking about meeting each other's needs today and immediately all the guys are like, I got some needs. 
And all the wives are like, <laughs> we got a, we got a down thumb, thumbs down back there. Uh, but, but as we talk about meeting needs, we really want to hit this home first. Again, this goes back with putting God first in our life. The only way that I can be in a position to meet my spouse's needs, the only way that I can effectively and efficiently and be better at meeting Adrian's needs in my life, in her life, is when God is meeting my needs. Yeah. Again, putting God first. The only way that I can be in a position to meet my spouse's needs is when God is meeting my essential needs. Uh, and let me just break that down. Every human being, every single one of you in here has four basic human needs. The first is acceptance. We all strive to feel accepted by someone, something. We need acceptance. The, the next thing is identity, right? We all want to know who we are. I, am I unique? Am I special? Do I stand out from anybody else? Am I, what is my, who am I? The, the third thing is security, right? And all the ladies are like, yes, security. Security. <laughs> I'm just making sure y'all are awake today. Security. We want to feel stable. We want to make sure that things are taken care of in life. And then lastly, purpose. We want to know why am I here? Not just who am I, but why am I here? What is my purpose in life? So we, I really want to hit home that when God is meeting those needs, then I'm in a better position to meet physical needs, mental needs, emotional needs with my spouse. Right, and I think that goes back to uh, one of our pastors. Um, they're doing a marriage series like this too. And the wife mentioned when we're dating, a lot of us women and men too, we need to get out of that mindset of thinking that we're searching for that one person that's going to meet mm -hmm. my needs for acceptance, for my identity, for my security, for yeah. my purpose. When in reality, we need to have that all together in Christ before we even meet that one. Yeah. And so a lot of times you meet the one when you're not looking for the one because God is satisfying all of your needs yeah. at that moment. And he's like, okay, you're ready. And so if it's too late and once we're finally married and we realize, oh, crap, I, I think I am looking for those things. We, we make the mistake of getting to, rushing into a marriage yeah. um, because we're just so excited about the celebration like we talked about last week mm -hmm. that we forget that we just yes. made a covenant. Yeah. And so if you're here today and you are there and you're, you're wondering, you know what? I think I'm there. I think I'm still looking for acceptance from my spouse, my security. Um, the number one thing women need is security, and our men cannot always fulfill that. They cannot fulfill our identity or our purpose. We need to go to the source of the one who gave us our identity, who constantly gives us our identity and our purpose, because either you're going to look for it in your spouse, and if they lack, and they will lack, you're going to go try to find it on the other side. Yeah, and so you will never be satisfied, and it will always fail. Yeah, it's called the principle of transference. Let me get a little professional, right? <laughs> The principle of transference, where we transfer, we project these needs onto somebody or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and the problem is a lot of marriages do this. They're looking to their spouse for acceptance. They're looking to their spouse for identity, for, for purpose, for security, and not to God. Only God can meet those needs. Uh, God, who is perfect, can meet those needs. If we put all of our eggs in the basket of imperfection of man, we're going to get imperfect results. And so, so many dysfunctional relationships, more likely than not, one of these categories or all of these categories, they're projecting that need onto someone or something to fulfill that in their life. And again, if you're, if you're searching for, you know, 
fulfillment in what is imperfect, you're going to get imperfect results always. Um, so when God is meeting my essential needs, then I'm in a better place to meet my spouse's needs. So let's talk about that meeting and understanding needs today. Let's just say a spouse is likely more happy, more fulfilled in marriage when needs are being met. When needs are being met, there's likely more unity and happiness in marriage. And the opposite is true if it's being neglected. Uh, but we also have to understand, Caleb, right? We have different needs than Adrian and Cheyenne, right? Our, my definition of needs is completely different than her definition of needs. And so let, we want to break that down today as we dive into this. And if you have your Bibles, turn with us to Ephesians chapter 5. Some of y'all are like, oh man, I know where he's going already. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to set this over here. We're going to read uh, 21 to 33, like how I said 21 and not 22, right? You'll see in just a second. Verses 21 to 33, and it says in verse 21, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I mean, we can just stop right there for a minute. Be subject to one another. Look, there's no, there's no lording over your wife. There's no lording over your husband. I like, I like the illustration that some wives like to say, well, he's the head, but I'm the neck that turns the head right? <laughs> no, we, we are subject to one another. That deals with humility. Right. And we covered that last week. Again, go back and watch last week's message. Verse 22, it says, wives, I'm going to let you read that one. Verse 22, right here. Okay, wives, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, Christ is also the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. All right, wives, y'all got that. Wives, be subject to your husbands. And all the husbands are like, yeah. <laughs> now let's continue because that was, that was what, two, two verses? How many was that? Two, three verses? Uh, the rest of it is husbands. So husbands, I want y'all to listen. All right. Verse 25. So 25 to 33. There's even more for husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church. Right. We're to dive into this. And gave himself up for her. Selfless. Sacrificial. Unconditional. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. Verse 31 says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We talked about that last, last week. Love leads to transformation. There's not just a change in who I am emotionally, spiritually, physically. There is also a change in my mission. There is a change in my purpose, because it's now not just my purpose, it's our, right? It says a man shall leave his father and mother, and they shall cleave together and join together. That's our mission now. That's now become our Purpose. 32 says, this mystery, and in all the mystery. Yes, we are. 
A woman is a mystery. Right. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Let me just stop right there at the end of that chapter, verse 33. That's, that's the kicker. What are the two basic needs in marriage? That verse right there sums it up. A woman needs to feel loved. A wife needs to feel loved. And a husband needs to feel respected. And so, so many marriages are in a dysfunctional state. Uh, how many of you all read that book, Love and Respect? Or you've been through the small group series on it, Love and Respect? So many marriages are in a dysfunctional state because they've fallen off the cycle. There's this cyclical relationship. If I love my wife, she respects me. If she respects me, I reciprocate with love. And so there's a cyclical relationship, love and respect, love and respect. The moment one of those is broken, everything goes out of whack. You fall out of cycle. And so it takes humility, humble repentance, humble forgiveness, like we talked about last week, to bring it back on track, right? My daughter has a bicycle, and the chain keeps falling off. Anybody dealt with a falling off chain, not a broken chain? That's the key. It's not broken. It just falls off track. And so every once in a while, I have to get back together. I have to be intentional, and I have to fix, put the chain back on track. But she can't go anywhere until the chain gets put back on. Can anybody move forward unless they agree? Amos 3.3, what Adrian just said. So there's three, three commitments that we want to talk about today. I know last week you said that we have five total. We were studying. I was like, we got to add one more into this. So we're going to be here for three hours today, one hour each. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so let's talk about these two basic needs and the three commitments that we can make together as a couple to meet those needs. And the first is simply serve each other. Serve your spouse. Serve each other. Uh, this is probably the single most effective way to meeting your spouse's needs and more importantly, opening the door to intimacy in the long run. Guys, if you want to open the door to intimacy in your marriage, serve your wife. Meet her needs. Ladies, if you want to open the door for guys to serve you and do things around the house for you and do all this other kind of stuff for you and meet your needs, you got you to. Gotta, you got you to. Gotta. <laughs> this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Serve. Serve your spouse, serve each other. It opens the door to intimacy. And Jesus was the greatest example of this. Jesus, the son of God, I love that song. Again, how many kings stepped down from their thrones? How many lords abandoned their homes? Only God, only Jesus did this. And he came down from heaven not to, not to be served, but to serve. Jesus humbled himself and, and came down here to serve you, John to serve each and every one of us. And so he, in humility, he came down to serve us. And, and by doing so, he removed all barriers to relationship with God. You go back to Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, right? We're, we're really going to hit this today. The fall of man happens, and, and that relationship is broken. Man, Adam and Eve rebel against God. The relationship is broken. From that moment on, God's presence was separated from man's presence. 
Even, even in the temple in the tabernacle, there was this huge veil. Y'all know. There was this huge veil that separated the presence of God from the presence of man. There was no mingling. Only once a year could the high priest go in. How, how would some of, somebody, some of our marriages are dealing with a once a year kind of a thing. How, like, how messed up is that? That once a year, man would have access to a relationship with God. And so God said, this ain't right. This ain't it. So he sends his son, and, and Jesus coming down to serve people in humility breaks, breaks, rips the veil in two and reestablishes that relationship. So do, I'm going to ask you, do you want to break down barriers at home? Do you want to break, break down walls, break down these, these veils that are in between your relationship with each other? You know how you do it? You live in humility and serve each other. Break down walls by serving each other, living in humility and here's the kicker, even when, I'm not even going to say even if, even when they don't deserve it. Yeah. I think we get so wrapped up in, in pride. Well, they don't deserve my love. They don't deserve my service. They don't de- deserve for me to do this for them. You didn't deserve Jesus to die on a cross, but he did it anyway. Right. He counted you worth it, and your spouse is worth it. And serving them shows them that they are the priority in my marriage. They are my pursuit. And so how do we meet, how do we serve our spouse? How do we meet their needs? One, you got to learn your spouse. I don't think you ever stop learning your spouse. If you think you've got your spouse figured out, you, you don't. This, this is never it. Yeah. This is never it. Yeah. And I think that means learning the definition of our needs. Mm-hmm. And so how do we learn? We communicate. Mm-hmm. And so serving my spouse by communicating with them, I serve them, um, I serve my marriage by communicating with you. Yeah. I serve you by just communicating. And so communication is what <laughs> reveals our needs. Silence is the silent killer of relationships. Do you not agree? Being silent, he's never going to read my mind. And oftentimes he'll say that. I can't read your mind. How many times does your husband tell you that? Open your mouth. Any other husband in here have that supernatural ability that you can read your spouse's mind? God gifted that to you, but not. Okay. Wives, we can't read your mind. You got to, you got to, we got to communicate. And I think another thing I was talking with him this morning, it's important that when you're communicating that you're not communicating in anger or brashness. Um, Because a lot of times I can communicate my needs to you out of frustration. And you're not going to hear a thing that I'm saying because I am not respecting you. And you'll often say that. Mm -hmm. It's your tone. It's the way you're talking to me. And he will not hear you. He'll just hear your tone. And so so you'll say, well, I told you. And he's like, no, you didn't. And really, you didn't because all he heard was, well, I told you. You know, and he can't stand that. And so communicate with respect and humility. It all goes back to humble repentance and forgiveness and listening and communicating well. Yeah. So we, yeah, instead of talking at each other, talk with each other. Right. And like I said last week, it's all about how you word it. Like I could be so mad that he hasn't helped me with the clothes or the dishes. And the moment I say, I do it all the time, he's immediately going to say, I do it all the time. And so when you say things like, I think we need to be better at, you know, getting the house chores done together. Can we do that together? And he hears me. And he, if anything, it convicts him and makes him feel like, you know what, I think I do need to do better at that rather than feeling like he's the victim all the time. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Change your vocabulary. Stop with the me, my, you, I, it is we. 
us, ours, that's marriage. Right. That's, that's relationship. And even um, there's an illustration of when you went to training to ALC in Arizona, yeah. seven weeks. Yeah. Um, I was stuck in Colorado with the toddlers and um, my kids were toddlers then. And uh, there was a moment, I don't know what it was, but he would, he went off to training and he had so much time on his hands in between classes. Um, and he really invested in our relationship intimately. He did his research, his resources, and all I saw in intimacy was in the boxes, like, I'll just say boring. And he communicated his needs with me. And so when he came back, he was able to hear how I needed to be loved, and I heard him through that open communication. Regardless of the distance, we were able to meet together and establish yeah, we just became more open. And that was five years in our marriage. Last uh, last week, we first, talked about how I did not like him the first five first years five of my years marriage. First five years, he hated me. It's because I didn't give my whole heart to him. And so he communicated. Yeah. He communicated with me, I need all of you. And I would never see that until it was that five-year mark when he was gone and we talked. Yeah. And when he came back, we had intimacy in a deeper way. Yeah. Because we talked about it. Yeah. We were willing to discover each other. Right. And to discover each other's needs. Right. And that's the thing. You, again, my definitions are different than her definitions. So you have to, and, and those differing definitions will easily build a wall and cause division. But, but the goal in the pursuit of marriage is to get over the wall right. and talk about it. Uh, so again, learning to serve each other, meeting each other's needs is what opens the door to intimacy. I love using the, this illustration. We got the tables up here today. Uh, Y'all hang with me in just a second. So, uh, we, here, just come with me. So, again, wow, I feel so tall. I really sit down deep in there, huh? Uh, so, again, if you want to open the door to intimacy, we're talking about that today, um, you have to learn to serve each other. And so, my definition of, it, of intimacy is men, right, we're always going to be more of a physical intimacy, right? Ladies, more often than not, are more on the emotional side of intimacy. And so there's different ways. Guys, I really want to help you today. Ladies, I'm going to help you today uh, to, to build and break down those barriers of, of wrong definitions or different definitions. Uh, let, let me just use this example, right? If you want to open the door to intimacy, guys... It doesn't come in a microwave. <laughs> Y'all see my wife? Hello. Wait, let's warm it up. <laughs> right? So, so men, we're, we're, guys, we're more often than not, there's, occasionally there's some ladies that are like this too, but more often than not, the men, uh, we have built-in presets. Right? Y'all, like a microwave. You want popcorn, what do you hit? You hit popcorn, one, start. Three minutes or less, you got popcorn. You ready to go. The only time women are like that is when Thor comes on. Oh. But not from Endgame. Y'all pray for your, your pastor's wife. Not me. Sanctification. But everybody else got to hear about it. Or Aquaman, I'm not a fan. Right? But, but a lady, a, a woman, the wife... Is more like you can't just pour everything and be like, all right, let's go. Right. This, this, takes, this takes 
preparation. It, it takes all, yes, it takes all day. And so there's, there's, it's like, you can't, and again, you can't just put like a pot roast in just the meat by itself. I got a ring. Um, you can't just put the meat in by itself and, and just hit start and then come back later and you got a full meal. You got to season it. You got to put some carrots in it. You got to put some, some, Tell you got to marinate it. You got to marinate it. <laughs> you gotta marinate it. It's got to sit, it's got to soak, right? So, like, so how do you do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you, how do you get, how do you get the slow cooker ready? You got to, you, you, you got you to gotta, you gotta start adding the ingredients. And so uh, I saw a pastor say it this way one time. He's like, if I really want to get uh, my wife in the mood, and he pulls out this suitcase, he's like, I got this little thing that I put on. And so he opens it. He's like, it's, it's, it's this latex, yellow, and he pulls out these yellow gloves. Oh. <laughs> and start washing the dishes. Right? Start cleaning the bathroom. Start, start cooking around the house. Start doing things. Start helping. Because that's why we were created. To be in relationship with each other. To help each other. Right. And so when I come alongside of her and I help cook or I wash the dishes or I say, Hey, hey babe, I know you had a long week at work. I'm going to take the girls. we got two kids. I'm going to take the two girls. We're going to go to Chick-fil-A. I've got a nice hot bubble bath upstairs, some music playing. Any ladies like, yes, this is what I need in my life, right? And so th- this is marinating. I'm, I'm adding the ingredients. But listen to me, this isn't just a Friday thing. That's, that's the cherry on top. Monday. <laughs> Monday, I start doing some things around the house. Tuesday, start doing more things. I help her. This is a, it's a slow cooker. You got to add a little bit at a time. Ladies, we just need you to push some buttons. <laughs> we got built-in presets. We just need some, you just got to push some buttons. Yes. <laughs> right? But there's this divide right here. And so this is, this, is where, this is where relationships thrive, in the middle. Where I am willing to come and help her and, and do things and meet her needs. And again, ladies, I'm not saying everybody's, all the ladies are like, I need help around the house. You might have different needs. This is where communication with your spouse comes into play. You got to communicate. So I come, I come halfway, Caleb, and I meet her, and I do help her with her things, and she comes my way, and she helps me, and that's where intimacy thrives. That's where relationships thrive. We got to meet in the middle. That's where relations, not just marriage, that's where relationships thrive. We're going to talk about more of this next week. Relationships in general thrive by meeting, getting over the walls, getting through the barriers, and meeting together. So serving each other, serving your spouse is what is going to open the door to intimacy in the long run. And then the second thing, we're going to keep on moving here. The second thing you got to do, so one, serve each other, serve your spouse. Second thing is have fun. Have fun. Have fun in your marriage. One of the most important things that you can do that you have to do 
to have a long-lasting, healthy relationship is to have fun. What brought you together? Fun. Y'all didn't just like have a bad date in a boring time. You're like, yeah, this is the, this is the woman I want to be with the rest of my life. No, you got you to gotta have fun. <laughs> because hard times come. But the fun times will always outweigh the bad times. Always. Yeah, we had a rough five years for the first five years of our marriage. But when we were living in Germany, uh, I, I look back and I think of all the fun that we have. Traveling around Europe. Jumping off of 50-foot cliffs in Croatia. I remember the fun stuff. Yeah, we had bad times. But it's not lodged in my brain because I neglect it. And I nurture the fun times that we had. And I reflect on the fun times that we had. Um, and having fun also keeps the romance alive. Yeah. Having fun, dating your spouse, is what keeps the romance alive. If not, then you just end up in a business type of relationship. Where your vows just ended up becoming terms and agreements with each other. And that's not, that's not covenant. That's a business relationship. And no one falls in love having a bad time or a boring time. So, so how, can, how can we have fun? I think how do we have fun? I think we're intentional about our conversations. Instead of mm-hmm. um, talking about things that frustrate us, going on a date and talking about you know, our work frustrating us, yes, we're going to have those moments. Yeah. But I think we need to be intentional with our conversations, um, whether it be communicating while you're on a date about the things that you need, the things that your adventures just like you and I, when we first yeah. met, literally our first date was sharing our adventures and the things that we wanted to do in life. But going back to those conversations that you would stay on the phone till 2 a.m. in the morning when you were dating. And by after that. Be intentional in your marriage. Go back to those things. The why. Remember we talked about last week, the why. Why did you fall in love with your spouse? That goes back to what he just said a second ago. Why did you fall in love with them? What are the fun things that you guys mm-hmm. did together? But be intentional about the things that will make you thrive yeah, as a couple, yeah. things that are fun. Guarding your conversation is huge because it's easy for work frustrations to creep in and now you're both frustrated and it just kills the mood, yeah. right? Or to talk about kids and, and the frustrations of being at home with kids all day and like focus on the things that, that you want to do. I, I say this all the time. You should never be satisfied with your current relationship. Right. With God or anything. With God, with your spouse, your spouse you should yeah. always be striving to do more together, Absolutely. to go deeper together. And so if you don't have anything to talk about, maybe you should just stop, take a date night, and, and just be intentional about it. Go, Google some, some, some questions to ask Or narrate, narrate other people like yeah. Steve Carell and Tina Fey in date night. Narrate <laughs> other people and just get a good laugh out of it. <laughs> it's so funny. Something yeah, so I would be do. intentional about your conversation. Yeah. The second thing is uh, enter each other's worlds. I love it when, so I do a lot of woodworking, build tables and stuff like that, furniture. Um, I love it when I'm outside building and Adrian comes out and helps me build. She's come into my world. Right. Right? She's entered my world. She loves it. I cannot cook. Anybody not cook in here? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Cannot. Like, I'm going to add, what's that spice that I talked about the other day? He was going to put turmeric in turmeric, Puerto Rican right? food. Just, I don't know. It's a spice. How about that, It Kylie? goes in food. Right? No. Not all food. I know nothing about it. So I don't like, I don't, I don't cook. Like, Kraft mac and cheese. It's all, there's a recipe on the side of the box. Dwayne, I can do that. Brownies. 
done, right? But I, I can't cook. So she loves it when I come alongside of her and I help her cook. And I was like, what, what can I do? You can peel onions. Of course, I can, I can peel onions. But don't tell him how to peel it or cut it, because if you're going to ask them to do something, let them do it their way and fail, okay? <laughs> we need that. That's respect. Right, exactly. Let it us, is. Let us fail. If you're going to ask me to do this, then let me do it my way, okay? Let How me, many of y'all have heard that? <laughs> let me fail. Uh, let me add that to Merrick. No. <laughs> just just but, a nap. But, but when you enter into each other's worlds, uh, you bridge that divide. You bridge that emotional divide. Yeah. I think a lot of wives are like, well, my husband just never opens up, and, and he never lets me into his world. Do you know how to get your husband to open up? By entering into his world. You'll, you'll, be surprised. you'll be surprised how much your husband will talk when you're sitting next to him with the controller. Exactly. And I didn't do that at the beginning of our marriage. I did not play Halo as much as he wanted me to, and you should. Yeah. But I'm not a good person to talk to about that. <laughs> <laughs> right? So if you want your husband to open up more emotionally, enter their world. Uh, guys, if you want your wife to open up more physically, more sexually, enter her world. It's that cyclical relationship that we were talking about. So uh, be intentional about your conversations, enter each other's worlds. Uh, number three, let's just say it, any kids present, hey, cover their ears. Number three, <laughs> have sex. <laughs> let's get all the giggles out now, come on. <laughs> have, have sex, sex is key to a thriving marriage. And matter of fact, uh, what are the top three reasons for divorce? Lack of finance or financial troubles, uh, lack of communication, and lack of intimacy, lack of sex in, in, at home. Um, lack of sex in general, not just at home, right? <laughs> lack of intimacy is one of the leading causes for divorce. And, and let me just say it, it's not talked about enough in the church. I think so many so many marriages suffer, uh, we hit this last week, so many marriages suffer in the church. Did you know the church uh, divorce rate is just, is right along par with the world's divorce rate? 50%. 50% of marriages, even in the church. And we said this a lot in the last six months, nine months. We cannot respond the way the world does. We can't. We, we are called, we are set apart, we are called out. So we should be setting these up. We are the representatives on how marriage should be lived. Right. And so we have to be more intentional about it. We have, that, that's why we do these series. That's why every, every year, February time frame, we'll do this marriage series because it needs to be talked about, um, and especially this aspect. Why? Because God created man and woman. Hallelujah. And if he created us male and female, there was an intention right. In how he created us. Yes. And the purpose, he has a purpose for everything that he creates. Um, and so well, let's just talk about it. God planned and authored sex in marriage. Right. I'm getting ahead. Adrian's going to be about, about to say this quote. But sex is a tool. Sex is a marital privilege. So all the single people, all the young people, I want you to listen to this. Sex is a marital privilege. It's not an audition for dating. You heard me. It's not an audition for dating. It is, it is set apart. It is separated 
for the confines and construct of marriage to keep male and female pursuing each other and, and tied together. Satan is the one who perverted it. Humanity is the one that perverted it. Um, so sex is, is a, it's, it's beautiful. There is no shame, right? Let's, let's hit that. There's no shame in sex. It is intentionally created for male and female to thrive in marriage together. Yeah. It is created on purpose. There's no shame in it. And when God creates something, he creates it on purpose. And it's the key to bringing life in marriage. And that's the thing. Let me just, let me just say that. If you are not ready to bring life into this world, then stop exercising the tool that brings life into this world if you're not married. Bible says be fruitful and multiply. How do we be fruitful and multiply? Sex. And, and, and I'll even say it's not just, in, it's not just being fruitful uh, with, with bringing children into the world. It's being fruitful and thriving in my marriage, breaking down those barriers, breaking down those walls. Yeah. And even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't feel like it. Glory. Yes. <laughs> in first Cor- I felt God on that one. First Corinthians 7, 3 through 4 says, The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Yeah. Now, this is not an excuse for abuse, guys. The scripture this in the word where God says this is not to take advantage of it. Obviously, there's still consent, but at the end of the day, when you married your husband, when you married your wife, you made that covenant, and you, mm-hmm. you, you've already given over. You became one. Yeah. So that's what the scripture is talking about. Your body is your husband's. His body is yours. Yeah. And oftentimes, it's we not. do remind each other of that, like mm-hmm. because it allows so much more freedom when you are um, being mm-hmm. intimate, and it allows you to just... to basically go back to the source of what God, what God is saying here. Um, cause yeah, intimacy and, is a pursuit. Yeah. And like she said, it's, it's not a license for abuse, right? It's not, no. that verse is not a license for abuse. It is permission for celebration. Exactly. But it's not a license That's for great. abuse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cause intimacy is a pursuit to discover more of your spouse. Yeah. Um, it's an intentional pursuit to protect what God has brought together. Mm-hmm. Because if you are being intimate with your spouse, uh, often then there's no room for outside influence yeah yep it keeps you focused and in pursuit of your spouse meeting each other's needs Mm -hmm. yep uh i I like the way jimmy evans everybody heard of jimmy evans before he did the series marriage on the rock we've done that series here in the past but he i like the way he says it. he says sex and marriage uh, is either a thermometer or a thermostat it determines uh the condition of your marriage it, it could either give you the temperature reading or it can control uh, the, the atmosphere and the environment of your marriage. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so lack of intimacy in a marriage is usually a good indicator that, there, that there's something going on either in the relationship or there's external influences happening. Uh, we, we see communication issues will be a barrier uh, to intimacy. Anger issues will be a barrier. Stress Issues can be a barrier to intimacy, even, even trust issues. Uh, and that's why it's so important to guard this relationship, to guard our trust in our relationship. If any of these things, any of these issues are present and not dealt with, it's going to impact the intimacy level in your marriage. 
it's going to. It's like, it's like the thermometer and thermostat, right? That's the thermostat over here. If I go to it, it'll say it's it was it 70 degrees, something like that. It'll tell me it's 70 degrees. And so looking at it, looking at a relationship, I can tell you, well, you guys just aren't having sex. I can look at her and be like, well, we just aren't having enough sex. That's, that's, a, that's a, 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 a reading, a temperature, I guess. Or I can be like, hey, we need to have more sex. That's a thermostat. That's changing the atmosphere, that's changing the, the temperature level, right? Because I can go to it and be like, well, 70 is too hot, let's bump it down to 65, right? So it, sex, the intimacy in a marriage is either thermostat or a thermometer. And, and another thing that will that set the temperature uh, for intimacy in your marriage, again, the thermo, thermometer temperature kind of a thing, uh, is uh, there's different worldviews that will impact that. The different ways that we see love and how we view love and how we view intimacy. Um, for example, world's, the world's influence, the world's definition of sex, the world's definition of intimacy will impact our intimacy in our marriage if I don't guard our marriage from that. How many of y'all know that God knows more about sex and intimacy in marriage than Post Malone? <laughs> God knows more about sex and marriage than Cosmopolitan Magazine or Hollywood. Right? But we continue to go to these external sources to try to find, you know what I mean? Why, why don't we just go to the Word of God? What does the Word of God say? What, what does God say about this? So out external influences, the world's definition will absolutely uh, uh, set the temperature uh, for intimacy in our marriage. And other people, the way our parents lived, um, the way our friends' relationships are. Um, the way that our coworkers live in their marriage or don't live in their marriage, all of these things will also impact our intimacy levels. Right, and I think it's important that you, when we go back to communication, um, you establish between your spouse the things that you guys need, and that has no room for other people because you've established what you guys agree on. And that's something with us, when I was talking about Arizona, that's something that we discussed together we established in our marriage, and we were able to take our marriage and our intimacy to another level because we talked it out, and we didn't look at the way other people did it. Yeah. Or we didn't, I'm going on to the next um, point, our past hurts, like past relationships that failed, uh, that we were in, maybe premarital sex, things that we viewed, the way we viewed sex. Uh, we got to stop looking through those lenses and remember that we married our spouse, and all of ourselves are our spouses, and we've got to view our marriage the way that he and I in the way God, yeah. when we're working together to point to God and how he intended for our intimacy and our relationship to be. Yeah, and if you take a closer look at all three of these external influences, influences relationships, past hurts, these are all comparison-based. Right. And what does comparison do? It kills. kills. Mm -hmm. Lack of communication will kill a marriage. Comparison will kill a marriage as well. And so I love what Adrian's grandfather, he kind of did our, our premarital counseling. It wasn't weird. Um, <laughs> one thing that he said is, you know, what happened with past relationships is, is, is null and void. It is our relationship now. We don't bring in what we learned. We don't bring in anything from past hurts, past relationships. This is here. This is new. We are now one. We are together. This is our relationship. Uh, and so we need to focus on that. Do away with past hurts. They're there. Acknowledge them, find healing from them, but don't let them invade your relationship with your spouse. Right, and I'll be honest, in the first four or five years of our marriage, when we always say that, literally, I think we've said it every, every uh, week, 
in this whole series. That's what I was doing. And women, you got to get past your past relationships. I don't care if you've had your first love. I've been to the point where my first love mentally discouraged, not him personally, but that relationship ruined our relationship in the beginning. And that's part of the problem, what was going on. You can never get to the point where you're like, they'll always be my first love. You've got to drop it. You've got to let it go, lay it to the side, because when you begin to do that, and you continue, or you, you continue to do that, that's comparing. And it was killing our marriage. Yeah. So. And then there's the whole grass is greener mentality. Y'all heard it yeah. before. If the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, water your own fields. Right? And so we look to all these other relationships that are, you know, seemingly, even on social media, we see the highlight reel of their marriage. Yeah. But you don't see the hurts and pains on the inside. You know what I mean? So don't, don't compare your marriage to other people's marriages. No more what ifs. Focus on your marriage. Yep. Definitely. Amen. Is this helping anybody today? <clears throat> All right. So one, serve each other. Two, have fun. Number three, we're, we're, we're wrapping this up. Yep. Stay pure. Stay pure. Yep. Hebrews 13, 4 says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. We got to stop living what the world defines about sex and start seeking what the word says about it. And this morning we've given you several resources from the word of God of what God has said and intended for intimacy and marriage to be and the marriage bed to be. So we've got to stay pure because sex is supposed to be, like he said, a marital privilege and not a dating audition for dating. Yeah. Amen. And God is the creator of sex. He created man and woman. He created our bodies and how they should behave and how they should be um, functioning. And so if God did that, then we need to go to the author and the source of who created our bodies and say, Lord, uh, let me um, be all I can be for my spouse, be all I can be for you. And honestly, it's like worship. Like when you're asking God, you're able to when you're in intimacy, it's worship to the Father because he thinks it's beautiful and you're doing what he intended uh, for you to do in your marriage. Right. So. And again, God created it. Did, right. Did, did on, the, on the six days of creation, because God rested on the seventh, did at any point in time, did he say, well, that was bad? No. <laughs> he always said it he was good. He always said, the verses, every time he created something, it would always end with, and, and it was good. It was good. And when he created male and female, he said, it is very good. Hallelujah, it is very good. Right? And so it, it, this is a good thing. Um, so we have to change the way that we view it in marriage. We need this. It's not something that every once in a while, if I feel like it. No, you need this right. in your marriage. And a lot of times when, when we go back to what we were saying a while ago, even if you don't feel like it, have sex. Be intimate with your spouse. Because a lot of times, more often than not women, do you not feel like, I really needed that. When you do, when you just get over yourself and just, even if you do it mad, even if you're just like, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's always a blessing, is it not? <laughs> That's all I'm going to say, because I'm going to say something bad. Go ahead. <laughs> is it hot in here? <laughs> He's normally the modest one, and I'm not. So I said, I'm nervous. I might say something bad. Go ahead. <laughs> But even if you don't feel like it, right. uh, more often than not afterwards, you'll be like, wow, I really, I really needed that. I really connected with you. Uh, and that's the whole point. It's about connecting with each other. So, so guys, be present. Definitely. Ladies, be present. You know what I mean? 
Um, so again, we're wrapping this up. Um, so um, even if you don't feel like it, and I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. And there's the key word, by agreement. Right. In other words, it's okay to fast mm -hmm. this if there's an agreement between it. If I'm like, hey, uh, probably never hear that from me. But if I'm like, hey, Adrian, I feel like I need to fast for seven days. And she's like, I'm not feeling that. And then I'm like, well, hallelujah. Because <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was God. <laughs> right? But if there's an agreement, and now if she's like, well, I'm not feeling that, then, then we are then in agreement to live in intimacy. Uh, it says, Don't, do not deprive one another, right. except for an agreement for a limited time. Limited, limited time, that you may devote yourself to prayer. But then come together again. Come back together. Celebrate. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Worship. <laughs> Why? So that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Yeah. We need this in our marriage right. to keep our focus on each other and to keep our focus, ours, on the Father. Yeah. It's, it's needed. It's key. So we're going to close with this. Somebody can come up and play something romantic or something. I don't know. We got any Marvin Gaye? Oceans. Oceans. That's romantic. When oceans rise. Y'all stand with us as we close today. Jesus, Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Father. <laughs> Did this help anybody today? So we're, we want to close with this. Stay, stay in pure is probably the key point in all of this. Um, it's great to serve each other. It's great to have fun. But purity needs to be the priority in marriage. Um, stay pure. And so I want us to commit uh, to sexual purity in marriage. And what we're going to do is we'll share this on social media this afternoon, these key commitments to living in purity in marriage so that you guys can take it home, print it out, post it somewhere whatever, keep it and guard it in your heart. Um, and I'm, I'm just basically going to read this point by point, Adrian, if you want, you can kind of uh, elaborate. If not, we just keep on going. Uh, but number one, I will not allow fantasy or lust into my relationship. I will take my thoughts captive. I will not develop inappropriate emotional or sexual relationships with another person regardless of the condition of our marriage. I want to stop right here. Guys, girls, guard your marriage. I, we have this agreement, and, and if you come through premarital counseling with us, we're going to tell you this. I will never be alone in a room with another woman. She will never be alone in a room with another man. Why? Because we're guarding our marriage not just our relationship, but we're guarding the testimony of our relationship. Do not let your good be evil spoken of. Yeah. What happened with Joseph? Potiphar's wife came after him. Joseph didn't do anything. But because he was alone with her, there was the, uh, the perception of what had happened. And so we, we've made this commitment. I'm never going to be alone in a room 
with another woman. My kids have to be in the room. They're going to be, I'm, I'm never going to be alone. The door will never be shut. I'm not going to put myself in that kind of position. I will guard the testimony of my marriage. Uh, number two, or number three, I will turn the unmet needs in my life to God and trust him for the answers. I will not turn to sin. I will be honest and accountable about my temptations, especially those that can compromise my marriage. Guys, if you're having a hard time, talk to your wife. Don't be ashamed about it. Talk to your wife. Open, honest. Tell your wife, I'm having a hard time with this right now. And I encourage each wife to respectfully listen. Because that's something in our marriage that we always had, was honest communication. Even if it hurt, the days that he would ask me a question and the wrong that I was doing, I always admitted it. But it brought us closer. It brought us to a better place. So wives, I encourage you to come respectfully to your husbands and listen if they have any problems. Because the devil does come to steal, kill, and destroy. And there are going to be those moments where they're tempted. And same for wives. So be open. Be honest. Be willing to talk it out. And respectfully go to the Father and work together. Yeah, be open and honest and accountable. And lastly, I will not... Listen, I'm not saying you can't be friends. I'm saying I will not be close friends. That's the key word, close friends. With people who are violating the covenant of their marriage. Tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. Scripture says bad company corrupts good, good character. I will not be close friends with people that are violating their own covenant of their marriage. These are keys. And again, we're going to post these print them out, put them in your mirror, put them on the fridge so you see them every day and, and commit to these to stay pure in your marriage. you have anything? No, I just want to encourage everybody that your intimacy and your, uh, your sex life is a celebration of trust. You trust your spouse with all that you are. And that's what God wants is for you to open and honestly go to your spouse. And like the scripture says, your body belongs to your spouse and vice versa, husband and wife. So allow God to bring growth and multiply in that because I promise you, when you're pursuing marriage the way God intended, there's so much multiplication in that. And not only in intimacy, but in fruit of your labor for the kingdom. If you are focused and you're pursuing what God intended for his church to be, for the marriage to be, you're advancing the kingdom and your children are seeing it and marriages around you are seeing it and you're not toxic. If anything, you're a testimony of what God has for all people. Amen. Yeah, and if you take anything away from today, remember that your marriage is, your, your, your marriage, not just you individually, you individually, yes, but your marriage specifically is a representation of relationship with the Father covenant with the Father. So what do people see when they see your marriage? Do they see hope? Do they see joy? Do they see peace? Do they see, you know, do they see love when they see you living your marriage out in public? Does your wife, does your spouse feel that same way when you're living at home in private? That's key. And I really want to hit that really quick as we close because this is how we're going to close with this today. Uh, when God made Adam and Eve, he placed them in a garden. 
right? The Garden of Eden. Eden literally translates to a place of pleasure and delight. So God created man and woman, created them naked, and placed them in a place called pleasure and delight. Completely uncovered, no shame, no guilt, no sin. And the moment that sin entered the picture with the fall, what's the first thing that Adam and Eve did? They hid themselves, they covered themselves. So, so marriage should be a place of a safe space where we are completely unhidden, completely naked, emotionally, spiritually, physically, open and honest with each other. But listen, guys, girls, the moment you let sin into the picture, your spouse is going to start covering. It's not just that, well, let me uncover you. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take purpose and, and, and reestablishing that trust. It's going to take a lot of service to each other to start peeling back layer after layer. It's easy, it's easy when I hurt Adrian, she's going to cover up really quick. The hard part is trying to get her uncovered again. So marriage needs to be a safe space where we can be open and honest. And like Adrian was just saying, the moment your husband or your wife, your, your spouse comes to you and says, look, I'm having a problem with this. Stay naked emotionally. Stay open. Completely unhidden. Don't start covering up. They're coming to you humbly in humility and you need to respond in humility that's how you guard the purity of your marriage not in, let sin invade and not let divisiveness invade and not let uh, covering invade this is what I love P uh, Tim you read it this morning Peter was it 2 Peter chapter 4 who was here at the serve rally this morning I think it was 2 Peter chapter 4 uh, 2, 4 something like that anyways uh, it says love covers a multitude of sins Love covers a multitude of sin. So if there's been any wrong and we're starting to hide ourselves, respond in love. And it will change that covering. It will replace that covering. Respond in love. Respond. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It does not keep a record of wrongs. So this is what I want to do. You're, you're married today, and you're struggling. You, you got some, you got some hurts. Let's, let's just close our head, close our eyes and bow our heads really quick. You got some hurts that you need to deal with. Maybe it's previous past hurts that you brought into the marriage, and, and you can just feel it is a massive wall preventing you from connecting to your spouse. I want you to just raise your hand today. You need to find healing from that. You're here today and, and, and you've covered yourself from your spouse. There's been uh, trust has been broken in your relationship. Keep your hands up. Don't, don't put them down. Trust has been broken and, and, and you're just on guard. And that's you. You need to find healing from that today. Forgiveness from that. 
here today and you're single and you've made some mistakes and you need to find healing from that today and transfer those needs to the Father and stop transferring them to people. There's a Father that can meet those needs today. If that's you, raise your hands. I'll just pray all across this room. Pray for your marriage individually. Pray for your future spouse if you're not married yet. We're going to cover all of these needs. Y'all, y'all pray for your, if you raised your hand, pray for your need. Matter of fact, lean over to your spouse and tell them that you need prayer for that. This happens today. Forgiveness, healing happens today. Unity happens today. If you raise your hand, lean over, communicate that with your spouse right now. You just need prayer. You don't have to talk about it right now, but just tell them, let them know that you raised your hand and you need prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you, we speak healing and unity over these marriages today. Father, the hurts that we have uh, harbored and the hurts that have anchored into our life that we are refusing to let go and that, that are shaping our expectations of marriage. Father, we break those chains off of us today. Father, let walls fall flat today. These hurts, these, these, these wrongs, these trust issues and anger issues that we brought into marriage, these, these seemingly mountains that are in the way of us coming together and living on mission, living on purpose together for your kingdom. Father, your word says mountains melt like wax before the Lord. And so, Father, I pray that we would invite you in to our marriage right now, invite you into this circumstance right now, and see these mountains melt like wax. Not just move and, and have us come across them again another day, but, Father, they would fall flat and melt like wax before your presence. We pray an invasion of your presence in our life and in our marriage today where there is joy, where there is fullness of joy, and the joy of the Lord is our strength and the strength to continue on, the strength to go on, the strength to know that this ain't it. And Father, I pray for humility in marriage and a desire for our spouse. Father, if that desire has faded, if that desire is gone, I pray for an ignition of passion for our spouse again. Lord, to be the thermostat in our marriage and not just a thermometer. Lord, to be open in intimacy, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and to come alongside of our spouse. Lord, not to lord over them, not to be subject under them, but to be subject to each other and accountable for each other and accountable to each other. Father, I pray for the single people in here today, God, that are dealing with hurts that, that, that from past relationships or past uh, mistakes and failures or sins. Father, I pray for a forgiveness first and foremost. I pray for a heart of repentance in our lives. And Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. Your word just says that whoever calls on you would be saved. And in you we would find healing. In you we would find joy. In you we would find peace. Father, I speak all of that over our single people here today. God, that they would find their needs met in you and in you alone. 
to stop projecting those needs onto people that will always give them imperfect results, but to be focused on you, planted in you, and to bring life into their marriage one day. Father, I pray, God, that there would be, again, a a new passion for each other. Father, a, a desire to meet each other in the middle, to bridge the divide. Lord, in understanding, open communication. Father, I pray that we would just put all of that we've talked about in the last two weeks to practice in our marriage. Father, so that it would thrive, that it would multiply and bring life everywhere it goes. Love leads to life. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to this week's message from Reclamation Church. We pray it was a blessing to you. We want to encourage you to take this message everywhere everywhere with you and pour into those around you. And if you would love to be a blessing to the Reclamation Church ministry, you can easily give at our website at reclamationchurch.faith. Scroll down to the bottom and click on online giving. Or you can even text to give any dollar amount to 84321 and set up a giving account with Reclamation Church. Again, we pray that this was a blessing. Be a blessing to those around you this week. And may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you with the light of his countenance and, be, uh, and give you peace this week. Amen. Be blessed.